Hi everyone! Today on What's My Frame, I'm joined by casting director Angela Bowen. Angela has been working in theater and film for over 25 years. Starting as an assistant and using each experience to hone her craft and grow in her field, she's successfully built her resume into becoming one of the most sought-after casting directors in Ohio. Angela has worked on feature films such as White Noise, Judas and the Black Messiah, Queen and Slim, and Fast 8. As a trusted name in the entertainment community and with an ever-growing database of over 13,000 SAG and non-union actors, Angela Bowen Casting has become a powerhouse office not only in Ohio, but Pennsylvania, Kentucky, Michigan, Illinois, and Georgia. I'm thrilled to have Angela join me as we continue our series learning more about regional casting. Now, let's get to the conversation. Thank you so much for joining us on What's My Frame. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Okay. I'm so excited for this episode and how we can dive into regional markets and your experience in the industry. Um, but first of all, if someone doesn't know your particular origin story, can you just like start us out with um, what drew you to the circus? <laughs> <What's> <laughs> <you here? laughs> I've never heard of it. <laughs> I've never heard it asked like that, but I love it. Um, so I had a theater background and um, for 20 years I had founded and I started a theater that uh, started as a children's theater. We did some equity shows where we brought actors out from New York eventually um, and also turned into a full training center with dance and voice and all of that. And I loved the arts. I loved telling stories, which is what we all do. And um one day my choreographer asked me if I wanted to be an extra in Spider-Man three with Tobey Maguire. And I was like, it was coming to Cleveland. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, sure, I'll be an extra. I'll try it. Um, so I was a, what they call a core extra for two weeks. Um, I went every day and wore the same outfit and walked down the freezing cold street of Euclid and, um, got fed steak and crab legs for lunch and, you know, got to talk to the stunt guys and learn about stuff and just fell in absolute love. But not only fell in love, got that, you know, sick to my stomach feeling of, I have to do something with this industry. Like I, this is foreign to me. I don't know what I would possibly be able to do in Cleveland, Ohio with no background. Um, but I have to make it happen because this is surreal what I'm seeing happen here. And then from there, I'm a pretty driven person. So I just, um, you know, the start was interning for a casting director. And it wasn't even that I knew I wanted to go into casting. Although my theater background and directing shows, people would always say your shows are cast so perfectly. You have such a good eye for casting. But I never related that to film. I always just thought like, yeah, I know who could play Annie in Annie or whatever. Um, but, you know, so it was just really the only person I had known. It was, she was my first introduction to film because I went to be an extra. And so I was cast by her. So I interned for three years and I just fell in love with the industry. And, um, and here I am now, <laughs> 10 years later. <laughs> so much is there. So, so much, <laughs> um, because I mean, if we're all honest, anybody who's done extra stand in any kind of that work, Yes, we come for like either the union vouchers or to qualify for our insurance, but we stay for the food. The food is yeah. solid. Good point. Good point there. Um, <laughs> like, yes, please bring the crap. Let's pass the parfait trays. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, 
I am so sorry you have missed out. Get on set. <laughs> For anyone that's like a non-actor that has somehow stumbled across the show, they're like, what's this lady talking about? They're like, there's an, just an insane amount of food. Okay, so as a recovering theater actor myself, um, I love that. Um, and also just like, I want to say thank you. Like your energy is so warm and so just sparkly. And you remind me so much, I'm going to tear up. You remind me so much of a theater director I had as a child. And I just want to say thank you for like doing that and creating that regional theater. Cause I, I started out in that. And if it weren't for that and it weren't for those children's plays, sometimes, especially with the arts budget in school, those dreams would be squashed before they ever even realize that they're a possibility as a job because as children we just innately play and create and when you have great people like yourself that are creating these safe environments for that you never know what you're you're helping grow and you're watering for the future so thank you for that well and even if people don't go into a career as a professional film actor or stage actor first it it can provide the confidence to be CEO in the company. I remember my son's eighth grade um, graduation. He was the only one of everyone in his class to look at the parents and shake their hand and look them in the eye. And I, and I attribute that to the theater and a confidence that he gained from growing up in the theater. And in, in addition to the CEO of a company, it just gives people purpose too. I feel like, you know, even because we run a film, my friend and I run a film school as well. Uh, which was born out of a need for people in this region being able to know how to act and me stopping bringing people in from Chicago and Atlanta. And um, even in that, it's like, I was interviewing a teacher just this morning and we were talking about how when you're a teacher, you're also like a therapist because being an actor means so much self-discovery and being authentic to who you are. And it's like, it's such a bigger picture. It is such a bigger picture. What we do in this industry is we tell stories, but when we're working with people, we also are giving them purpose, giving them confidence, giving them tools. um, And then they in turn tell stories. As a young, very moldable person, you're also teaching accountability to your peers because I mean, I grew up in the theater world. I was not on a sports team. And yeah. there, there's a difference and that understanding, like you knowing your lines and you showing up prepared and you coming with a good attitude, it, it serves the others. You also feel how that is when you receive it from your, your teammates and the cast. And I, I think it's, it does, it shapes so much of how people go into their lives. So anyway, that's my little tangent that was unexpected about, about children's theater and the importance of it. And like, give your child a stage for goodness sake. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about the regional market because I love what you're saying that you wanted to help teach the actors that you had there versus bringing people in because we've seen this huge shift especially since early 2020 where now the industry is not really regionalized there's still local hire it's a lot of confusion um there's a lot of actors paying for things that really shouldn't be paying for to ultimately get in the door and you know break through some barriers um but I w- I'm curious to hear what your experience and what you've seen of the evolution in your regional market how it's improved what still needs to be happening things like that in general or because of the pandemic 
either one, whatever you feel, because like, I'm not as familiar, like I'm really familiar with the Southeast market. Cause I still work local hire there. And then also like the DC Pennsylvania area, but I'm not as familiar with your area specifically, sure. like how it's, how it's been changing and evolving. So when I started 10 years ago, and this is like nothing to do with COVID. So just, yeah. just our area. When I started 10 years ago, um, my very first film set was, um, well, not that I was interning, but my very first of my own project was a project called Miss Meadows with Katie Holmes. And I remember the second AD saying, and this was involving background at the time, but the same was true for the local actors that we were casting. And I remember her saying to me, um, like, I don't remember if the actors or the extras came without wardrobe or were late or not early, whatever it was. And she said, well, what do you expect? It's Cleveland. And I swore that those words would never be said to me again. And that I was going to make a, once I got my foot in the door, once I was really grounded in my career, once people, you know, once I was established that my goal was also going to be to groom this industry in this region and show people like for that not to be said ever again. And now the amount of compliments I've gotten on both the local casting and the extras, because I do both and I love doing both for different reasons. Um, but the amount of compliments I've gotten from production have been so amazing. And just to see people that were just so, you know, you can throw an audition away because people just don't know the basics. They could be a really good actor, but whatever I show to, let's say the last few films I worked, Noah Baumbach, the Russo brothers, like these big directors, it represents my eye. So no matter how good of an actor you are, if you're sending me a tape filming outside with a reader shouting and you can be a great actor, but if it's done incorrectly, you know, I, I have to throw it away and I don't have time to manage that or teach that in the moment. I don't have time to email back and say, no. can you retape this with the, you know what I mean? Yeah, no. So no. it's like to see now the amount of people, and it doesn't mean that there's still not some that aren't understanding it yet, but to see now the people that are starting to get it and book, and it's just really rewarding. And even we opened our film school three years ago and, and I'm only addressing that again, because we're talking about education, yeah. but seeing like we've brought two New York agents out over those three years and they've done master classes. And in those two years, they've repped eight of our students one of them was just on law and order. And like, just to see that that one that was just on law and order three years ago, wasn't even booking locally. And now he's booking locally and he's reaching out to another, you know, market. And it's just finding amazing people that do that work and know how to do it, that are willing to invest in others, because that's how we all get started in this industry, Absolutely. you know, and that's how we all learn in this industry is by people that know what they're doing, teaching us. So I think to answer your question, I've seen enormous growth. There's still a big need for growth. There's a lot of things as a casting director, I could give you a list of things we're still doing wrong here, um, but I won't do that. Um, I think there's just so much positive and so much growth. And I think it's just going to continue to do that because there's a lot of people here trying to make that happen. Yeah. I want to just say a public apology for whoever that was that filmed an audition for you outside. Um, my skin <laughs> crawls. You don't know what you don't know is what I always tell my team when they see things and they go like their mouth drops. I'm like, people don't know. They just don't know. You know, I know. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious what the like the union support is in the Cleveland market because which which regional office are you kind of under 
Yeah. So we work mainly with Chicago and I mean, I I love the SAG office. They're wonderful, Mm -hmm. but I, at the same time would tell actors, it, this isn't a good market to be SAG in until you have to be that, you know, SAG is great. I I, obviously everyone's end goal is to be a a consistently working actor and say, but our background is non-union. So you're not going to get SAG vouchers for doing background. Same with Pittsburgh unless it's a commercial and we don't have enough work here to support SAG work. So, you know, if you audition for me tomorrow and you book a role and you're Taft Hartley and you're SAG eligible, you may not get another audition that even physically meets your breakdown for a year. And so now you've paid those union dues and you've turned all that non-union work down for one year for nothing. Um, And I've even seen it happen where an actor is SAG here and they've only paid the SAG dues for this region, for this market. And they then, you know, we got to, there was a film in Pittsburgh, this happened, there was a pickup shot in New York, and now they had to upgrade to be able to work in New York. And, you know, it it just can be, I just think it has to be the right person in time for this market. Now, when our incentive grows, if more film comes here and studios come here, that will change. Like if you're in Atlanta and LA and New York, in Chicago, obviously you want to be a SAG actor, but here in Cleveland, it's, I don't think it's the right move until this market gets a little busier, which hopefully is going to happen. Yeah. No, I was just curious if there was any kind of resources that the union was doing to support education and support like self-taping resources and classes, things like that. But that tells not to my knowledge. Sorry, I answered that incorrectly. <laughs> no, 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 no. That no, you you answered it the way that you answered it. That's that's not wrong at all. Um, and it's I think it's good advice to know when is the right time. I'm a huge proponent and very pro-union and, you know, not working off the card and like FICOR and all that kind of stuff. But I think it is really important to know if you are working with people that you trust and working in a region where non-union is the better fit, yeah. that it, there's there's no need of turning yourself, you know, loving, leveling yourself up out of work, basically is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Now I would love to talk about commercial casting for a little while and how that differs because especially in a regional market, this takes that whole local hire. And I say this with air quotes because so many people are like local hire physically in another country. And it's like, no, 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 that's not what that means. Anywho, um, because of the pace that commercials, you know, turnover in, I'm curious what that market is like for you all. And then I'd also like to talk about you all specialize in real people casting. Yeah. which is, is such a needed and, and a growing market within the commercial space. So I feel like I can answer for features and commercials. Nothing's super consistent. Like we don't have this huge commercial market here that uses a lot. As a matter of fact, a lot of the commercials that do film here will go directly to the agent and cut the casting director out because they're smaller budgets or, you know, so yeah. And that, that's just, again, just part of here in Cleveland, the amount of work we have. Um, But like, it's so feast or famine. That's such a difficult thing. Like right now we're on three films and two commercials. So that's five projects, but I could then go three months and not hear anything from anybody. And also of those three films, one's Cleveland, one's Kentucky, one's New York. So, you know, it's like, that's not even all here. So I should totally reword that. Um, But in regards to commercials, like I it's feast or famine. I, you know, we just did a Ford and a Jack casino commercial. Um, Ohio lottery does a lot. Giant Eagle does a lot, but you're not, 
you're not getting even Pittsburgh is way busier than us with commercial work because they have like, like I think Giant Eagle is yeah yeah Giant Eagle is like there uh, located there and there's a couple things like that so it's it's not a huge for me it's not a huge commercial market and if if there was an agent they might answer you differently they I mean that's probably the bulk of their work is industrials and print and commercial but for us casting we do mainly features and we're all over we're Kentucky we're New York a couple areas in upstate New York. we're Georgia now. We've been on a couple of films in Georgia um, and we have a couple more this year and then Cleveland and then Pittsburgh. So we are just to sustain a livelihood here, we have to branch out. But I always tell actors, you know, when we talk about our market and for the purpose of actors listening, I'm not a big proponent of moving to LA unless you're a millionaire who can spend all your money on training, then yes, go get an Airbnb next to Leslie Kahn's studio and study five nights a week. And absolutely. And I've had one guy do that and it was a blast for him. But, you know, even he said, everybody's struggling. They're coming here. They're trying to do their scene work. They've got no money in their pocket. Then they're going to their two jobs to be able to, you know, support taking classes to me, you can live in Cleveland, Ohio, and you can work in Cincinnati and you can work in Pittsburgh. That's two hours away. And Chicago needs 300 new actors a year because you can't be dying on Chicago med and then show up on Chicago fire, you know, the next episode. So, yeah. You know, and that's a six hour drive, an hour flight, you know, Atlanta's not far. So especially in the day and age of all these self tapes, there is so much you can do um, being here in Ohio out there but if you live in LA you're a dime a dozen and you know unless you like like I said a millionaire or like I have a friend that's a little person well she's working like crazy because she's a stunt double for all of these child actors so unless you have a niche like that you know there is a lot you can do here but I think that there's nothing consistently not features not commercials keeping any a lot of my colleagues move to Atlanta you know or like a friend of mine that's in wardrobe. She's excellent right now. She's in South Carolina doing, um, what's that one with, uh, John Goodman, righteous gemstones, you know? Yeah. She was just in Chicago. Like she, she doesn't want to travel. She'd rather work from home. She's not consistent enough yet. So hopefully when this incentive changes, it will be, but I do encourage that you can be an actor that your ties are in Cleveland. You can, you know, do stuff here. If you're willing to work local hire and put a little bit of money in it and travel if you have to at least till you're more established. And I think that that is so accessible for so many actors because you all have really close, I mean, I grew up on the East Coast. So I grew up with the mentality of like you drive to things. Like how I got my SAG card was a gig in Baltimore, even when I was in Virginia, but like I drove cards. Yeah, exactly. Now, when you move to LA or if you're like in New York, that's such a foreign concept. Like driving three, four, five hours to a gig is like, it's mind numbing. Um, So I think it's really good for actors when they're trying to build their resume, especially I left the East Coast when, you know, really Wilmington was the hub. Occasionally Mm -hmm. a project would come to Baltimore, DC, but most of the time they were shooting exteriors and then they were you know going to be in LA and now with the like just boom that you all have and all of those opportunities I mean it's it's just it's wild to me um so 
being that you have your hand in so many cookie jars <laughs> and that you are, um, you know, being a fairy godmother in all these different states and cities, I'm curious if you could walk us through for features, your process for casting. Like sure. once you, you have your breakdowns, because I think this is something that's not often talked about, but you as casting directors pick the paragraph for the breakdown, like that the agency to be able and like what, just how you go from script to sorting through your your submissions and auditions and stuff. If you don't so when we first get a breakdown, you know, we read through the script and we look at what the director wants. A lot of times, um, you know, the first thing is the conversation with the director. And sometimes the role could say, you know, I want a overweight Caucasian 40 to 50 year old. And then through conversation, sometimes that's super important. But then sometimes the director, and I've had them say, you know, I don't care if they're overweight. I don't actually even care their ethnicity. Just get me a good actor for this role. So we have a little bit of a lot of insight on what they want. Like, you know, recently working with Noah Baumbach, he was all about faces. He only wanted character faces. He only wanted Midwest faces. He didn't want super attractive. He didn't want, you know what I mean? So you get a feel for what these guys like um, or girls like, and then you put it out to the agents and the agents will submit photos for us. And then I'll, I think a lot of misconception actors have is, so let's say I'm doing a nurse or maybe that's even a little broad, but let's say, uh, um, let's even say a criminal. That's maybe a little better. And so I'm doing a criminal and some guys that maybe just have this average blue color look will be like, well, I could be a criminal. Well, anyone could be a criminal. You or I could be a criminal. Like, you know, you can look anyway, but that's not necessarily what we're looking for. We're looking for who looks like that criminal that you're going to be scared to be in an alley with. So even though you look like you could be a criminal by making a few adjustments, you don't see all the submissions I'm getting. And so next to the other people that really look like criminals, and I'll do this a lot when I do a master class. I'll put people up and I'll go, of all these guys, who could be the criminal? And they'll be like, well, yeah, yeah, I could see it. And then I'll bring up like breakdown and I'll go, now here's what I got submitted to me. And they'll be like, oh yeah, I don't look like that. And so it's often perspective, such a funny thing. You don't see our point of view. You don't see what we're seeing in front of us and all of the hundreds of actors that are in front of us. So I think really knowing your type is important and submitting accordingly. But so we pick who looks like it and then we will send them the sides. Um, and in picking the sides, we're obviously going to look for the most dramatic or emotional scene that the actor needs to hit. Um, and then we will look at tapes and, and, you know, I always tell actors, think of the 3am rule. It acts like I've been in a million meetings and I'm watching this tape at 3am and you have to get my attention. You have to, cause I'm like this in front of my computer. So you, you know, I, you I know people can't see me. I have my hand on my head. I'm falling asleep and I have to be like, oh, this is good. And lean in. The other thing to think about is, um, I have a process where a director in less they tell me otherwise is going to get 10 videos from me. Now the Russo brothers, they wanted to see three. That's it, you know? Um, but most of the time it's an average of 10. Sometimes people will tell me less. Um, so if I get, let's say an average, give or take is 75 actors videos that I see per role in 75, you have to make it to my top 10. And oftentimes once I've selected that 10, you have to kind of beat out the people that are in there. So it's like, it does pay 
to get your audition in in a timely manner. However, if you're really good and you beat someone in, you will get that spot and don't take that. Like sometimes we have life circumstances. We're in work, you know, on a big project, 60 hours, and we just cannot get to that tape till the weekend or we're traveling and that's okay. You know, just really nail your audition, send it in. And, you know, we just had a Zoom with Alan Ruck and he said something I thought was so cool. He said, your chances, a lot of times actors will be like, who am I up against? And they'll try and look at that. Your chances are 50-50. They want you or they don't. So at the end of the day, if you do your best, get it in timely, you're going to get it if you're right for it, you know? Yeah. Your role doesn't pass you by, but so many that you want as an actor do go by. Like that's the, like, the, like being able to like differentiate the two (laughs) beyond your, you know, your 10 or your three that you hand off. What is your style of like, what information do you share? Do you just share a WeTransfer link and say, okay, these are my selects, get the director's thoughts. Like how, what are the next steps beyond that? We take, uh, we use either Breakdown Express or Casting Networks and we put all of our top 10 videos into that. And then we send the director a link and whoever else they want to have the link, if it's a producer or writer or whatever. Um, And then they, you know, sometimes directors want your feedback. They'll be like, hey, Angela, what do you think out of these guys? And sometimes they don't. Sometimes you get a list back and say, this is who we'd like to do callbacks. Or sometimes they cast right from tapes. It is always different, always different. Um, So, you know, either a callback session or we just get choices or we they ask us to have a conversation. Um, Every creative process is definitely different like that. Yeah. No, no two are ever alike. Um, now you shared the story of the actor who you helped get representation and then was on Law and Order. Do you have a favorite casting story of something that like you knew the actor and got to cast them yourself? That's such a hard question. I mean, I'm sure there's lots, but there may be like just one you're like, oh, I was rooting for that one. Yeah. I mean, well, there, I guess I could answer that a, a couple of ways. Um, I feel like I, especially through the school, I watched these guys train hard and, you know, we had one guy and he's at the studio three, four nights a week and he's working. Um, his family all lives in another state and he is working over, just like I said, in LA, he's working so much just to afford his training, you know, and kind of doing the ramen noodle thing. And, um, uh, he got after, we're in our third year of the studio. So he's been with us three years. And this past fall, he booked a 33 day role on a a universal film. And it was like such a huge win and 33 days. I mean, that's a good chunk of money to help him out. And so that was like a really cool, like watching someone for, cause, cause people, and I think this is what weeds it out too, is like people want it overnight and it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And nobody, it's very rare for someone just to hit, you know? And um, so to watch him for three years, train and train and train, and then get this was really great. And then I think like, I have a couple of old students here from way back when I ran theater that are really making it now. And just hearing them, like Lily Reinhardt is one of them. And even talking with her and her mom and hearing like, she didn't get the role of Betty the first time they passed on her, you know, and she went to LA and she didn't, she went home, she didn't make it. And then she wanted it so bad. She tried again. And then her first Betty audition was video and her second was in person. And she just did way better in person. 
And obviously we know she got that now, but just seeing like she was my Brigitte and Sound of Music, you know, she was my Maisie and Susical, she was my Allison and Alice Wonderland, and like seeing her go from 10 years old to where she's at now and hearing her heart and her struggles and her struggles in the industry and her struggles in life, it just like really makes you feel like anyone can do this. If you, you know, anybody, it doesn't matter where you're located, where you start, anyone can do this with the right tools and the right networking and the right drive. So I think those are some success stories I think of when I feel proud. Yeah. I'm curious what having that teacher's heart, but also understanding from the business side of it, what advice do you give to your actors to protect like, like self-care and like keeping a healthy mentality? Because I, I think a lot of, there's no trajectory of like what a, a career looks like in our industry. None mm-hmm. of it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no, like, if you go A, B, C, D, you will succeed. None of that. And I think so often people go in with like stars in their eyes and they don't think about the element of self-care to be able to continue to get to the final goal, because you can't, you can't do this as a broken person. And I, I don't, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but like, truly, like you have to take care of yourself. And I'm curious as a teacher, what you share, um, as like advice or tips for that. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, number one, first and foremost, it cannot define you. This industry cannot define you. Um, and a lot of people let it, like they get something and it's great and they're confident and then they don't get anything for a year and they're the worst. And, you know, it, it's the most unfair industry. It gives the power to make you want to crawl in a hole and cry or jump on, you know, the top of a mountain and scream in excitement. It has that kind of power. And so you, you have to know as a person who you are and it can't define you. I recommend to everyone, because you're right, like every one of us, and even Lily recently said, like, I'm on my last season of Riverdale and people would think like, she's done all these other features and she's got, what is it? Six seasons in it. She's fine. But she's like, I don't know where my next shot's going to be. Alan Ruck said the same thing, you know, after Ferris Bueller's day off he worked at Sears warehouse to support his family. Everybody, you see him as Cameron and it's like, this guy's amazing. He worked at, you know, and, and so he's like every day I, you know, he's on succession now, but it's like, he, he, we just all don't know. You can be here one day and then, you know, drop below the next. And so it can't define you. But I think I also challenge actors in, in addition to knowing who they are and the bigger purpose of life and why we're doing what we're doing. Why do you want to do this? You know, if you want to do this because you want to tell stories, like a supporting role of cop number two isn't it, that's your purpose. It's, there's no backstory. You are moving the story along and we're all part of telling that story, but nobody's really passionate about cop number two, right? We all want to really tell stories. Yeah. Um, I think I challenge people to think outside the box in the sense that the film world is glamorous and exciting and we're all enamored by it. And, you know, cop number two or whatever role we're playing is, is wonderful. And it puts money in our pockets, but don't be afraid to tell those stories elsewhere, whether it's on the stage or, you know, other creating your own content is huge now. Um, and also have a backup because your backup could still be in the industry. Your backup could be casting. It could be makeup. It could be props. It could be so many things, um, and some people don't even realize, like when I go on set, most people know who I am. And it's not because I'm this famous person. It's because most people will say to me, 
I started as an actor or I always wanted to be an actor. If you ever need somebody, that's where most of us start. And so I started as an actor, you know? And so it's like, if you have that backup, like now I'm not interested in being an actor, although it's, I actually have a funny story. I recently was an actor by fluke, but you know, and it was a really cool experience, but I love what I do. And I never knew that I would love this until I started exploring it. So I think if people just, you know, there's entertainment lawyers, there's directors, there's so many facets to what we do. So I think if people um, explore that, then you can find a lot of different ways to go about it. But I think the, the, the biggest answer is don't let the career define you. As we shouldn't let any career define us. No. And don't be so singularly focused on one element. I mean, I was just having this discussion of like, what is success? I would love twofold, both on for like the regional, like the Northeast, Cleveland markets, and even down into like Kentucky, Southeast. I'm curious, one, what is helpful material for a a growing actor? What are like the keys that you look for in a strong, you know, actors access profile? And then also for actors that are in one state, but are local hire to another for either self-submissions or what they can communicate with their agents that's helpful in notes for you to know, because you don't possibly know, you don't have the time to be like looking at their Instagram to be like, are they geotagging things? How do we communicate what our actual like working location is in this now ever changing market? I think that Actors Access, I love Actors Access. It's such a great tool. And I think that, um, I know in this market, it's super hard to get a reel, especially like I look at my son. Um, My kids have been doing this, which is nice because I can be casting director and I can be mom, actor, and I have both perspectives, which is why sometimes I like to teach a masterclass because I do have both perspectives. But my son started when he was, you know, eight maybe, but all of the parts he's booked, which he's booked three or four times, are so spaced out that his reel would be like an eight-year-old to a 16-year-old. You know, it's like, it, it just would be like, okay. And cause there's just not enough here. Um, so reels are super hard in this market. Um, so I think you have to get some kind of media up there because when we're looking, you have to think like the people that make it in this market, I think other than talent, cause I think you can train and get to a certain point. I look at this girl I know um, that is doing so well. She's literally working every week. She's represented everywhere. She's just opposite of Hawkeye and mayor of Kingston. I mean, she's great. I literally attribute that to all of her drive. She works like so she practices self tapes every night. She's, I mean, just, I, I, I could go through a laundry list of things she does. Yeah. Um, but I think that you need to have media on there because when you think of the people like that, that are doing everything right, that's who you're up against. And there's always going to be somebody that has something in their back pocket, like that's a little bit stronger. So I think that you need to bring your A game. If we want to be in this prestigious world and we want a job that pays 165 an hour starting like on a regular tier, you know, you have to bring you have to be in at 110%. And so on Actors Access, if you can't create a reel here, you need to have some kind of media. Um, I know, I think about my daughter, she got down to the second person in 44 people for a lifetime movie. So she's using her audition for that. And then she booked a movie and she's using her audition for that. And those are her two medias on there. If you haven't booked a monologue or something like that, I mean, I, I hate to do that, but if that's what 
you have to do to start, then that's what you do. But yeah. something to show me, like, because we need to know that you have some chops, you know, and as a casting director, even though like I have a very big part for people in serving and I, I, I tend to be like really, I mean, I think all of us are on the actor side, you know, but at the same time, our time is so precious because producers want things and they want them yesterday. And there's so many of them and our demand, the demands that we have are so high that we don't have time to, to hold everybody's hands. We just yeah. don't. So it's like, you have to have all the tools in your pocket and, um, or tools in the toolbox, I should say. Um, and be so I think just having some kind of audition, that's all. Yeah. Like, do not, yeah. I love what you said that she's practicing self-tapes every night because that's yeah. something I like harp on is you, you cannot Amazon prime a setup for your audition. Once it comes in, you must be prepared. But yeah. anyway, I digress. Yeah. yeah. She literally watches herself critiques, sends it to friends, like just perfecting so that when she's, you know, ready to go against these auditions, she's ready for it. And she, I'm not kidding you. She's every week she's on the set and some of it's commercial as well, but still. Um, but I think having some kind of media on there, I think having different looks of what you can play, knowing who you are, you know, you got your studios, your athlete, whatever your looks are, having those up there. Um, I think that to me, I want to help and invest in anyone that's helping themselves. So it's about professionalism. It's about having it all set up. And if you don't have it set up, I'll revisit you in a year when you're ready, when you've trained, when you've figured it out, when you've got some coaching and you've got some business advice, you know, because a lot of people I'll get like Facebook messages and emails and questions of things that with all due respect, as much as I want to help people, if I help every actor, I won't ever see my kids. I won't ever have time to take a shower. Like, I mean, so it's, it's gotta be where you guys are, are finding the coaches and getting the help and then putting yourself in front of the casting director. So I, I think that that's my answer is the right looks, several looks, media, making things timely, professionalism, all things we look for in actors access. Yeah. And then for, if you are currently in Kentucky, but you are a local hire in Cleveland, how is the best way? Cause you know, if anyone is been living in a bubble there's a note section that you all see uh when you look at our, our media so i'm curious how do, how is a, an efficient and good way to communicate that i think that the biggest um and this is going to sidebar a little bit but the biggest problem as a casting director i have and this has happened to me several times and honestly i think it's one of the worst mistakes an actor can make because then i don't want to work with them again um is committing to local hire and then fighting it after and that, that and I know that's not what you asked but I just have to put that in here I've had that happen to me a good three or four times um where they're like you know I live here so for example once it was a Michigan agent said they'd work local hire the guy ended up being from LA which I was not ever informed of and then fought production that he was an LA actor and so I don't know if he won or not because I don't get involved in that but do you think I ever want to call that guy in again when he presented as a local hire so no. that just burned him of any future roles. And he was a really good actor. So that's unfortunate. Um, but I think just being really transparent of what you are willing to do and understanding local hire means if you're booked on December 3rd and we switch to December 1st, you still have to be here, you know, or forego the role and, and know that that's that. So um, I think just the agents and the talent being on the same page, because sometimes that's a thing and um, communicating, yes, I'll work local hire. 
I'm flexible or I can work local hire, but I'm only good for that day. Like I think communication is key because look, like as an actor, you guys are trying so hard to make it happen and you want to be on set. You want this to happen, but life is also life. And whether it's kids or job, real jobs that we have every day that are paying the bills or, you know, snowstorms or whatever, there are obstacles. I think communication is key. I can respect an actor that commits to local hire and look, there's something that really comes up that I get an email that says, I I wanted to do this project. I'm so sorry, but my daughter has COVID or there's a huge snowstorm or whatever it is. I can respect that life happens. Um, but I think, I think communication is my answer there is and being really communicative with your agent and that your agent realizes the page you're on because sometimes there is a definite disconnect. Yeah, there is. Yeah, all all representation is not created equal. I know that from experience. I am very blessed. I, I love and adore all of my agents that I have now. And I know how valuable that is because I have yeah. I have definitely experienced um not having that communication there. And I am always a big proponent of, you know, having representation is not necessarily, uh, sometimes no representation is better than the wrong representation. Uh, it's so it's scary as that is to some actors, but eventually we're going to get past this like scarcity mindset. Eventually we're going to let it go. But anyway, um, so you've, you've mentioned uh, and talked about first team actors, which is your acting studio name, correct? Mm -hmm. how um how can actors find you and then we will also share it in the show notes like are you on instagram what's yeah. the best way to connect so we have a west side and east side location and even for people that aren't local people can follow the social because like i know during covid we interviewed a lot of agents and we put some good content up there and sometimes they'll do like a tuesday actors tip and it was kind of born i'll be honest with you i didn't want to open a film school i work so much and when i'm not working i want to go on a disney cruise or something like i it's the last thing i wanted to do is more work but it came from a really big need of, you know, during Cherry bringing 20 out of 28 actors, we brought 24 in and it was like, this has got to stop. And it's one thing to bring in some pretty big or high stake roles and stuff like that. But bringing in the waiter that asks like, what kind of coffee do you want? Like, that's where we needed to make a change. So um, it's a really, really great. We don't do any online. People ask us that aren't around if we do online, we feel what we do is really tangible and it needs to be in person. Um, but we, we do have a great program and it's, it's everything from the bait, you know, on camera auditioning actors, arsenal, it's just commercial work. There's so improv, there's so many great classes. So people can find us. If you go to Angela Bohm casting, click on training, um, they can see the classes there. We do also what I really like what we do with bringing in a, a teacher once a month. So we'll bring a teacher from Chicago, New York, Atlanta, LA once a month to teach from a larger market, things that actors in this area just aren't even on their radar, aren't even thinking about, you know, and, and even our teachers can come and sit in and learn from that. So it's a great, a great resource. I always tell actors too, though, if you can't afford training, I mean, you, you have to be able to invest. People don't, if you don't understand what a mere compliment or a reversal or a moment before is, if you don't understand these things, you shouldn't be in the audition room. And not yet, at least. Yeah. And so you do have to be training. Um, you wouldn't go to operate on a dog if you'd never went to vet school. You wouldn't go play in an orchestra if you didn't take a violin class, right? So you have to be training. And I do challenge people to cut where they can and at least take a class. However, 
There's a lot of free training, audible books that are 20 bucks, 15 bucks, podcasts that are free like this one, um, books. You know, there's so many ways and resources that you can train. I've been, um, I, I always relate it to my health journey. So at the beginning of COVID, I was 300 pounds. And I, since so far I've lost 70 and I feel super, super educated on health. And it's not because I went and I could have taken, you know, a nutrition course or a health course or got some kind of degree. But the amount of books I've listened to on Audible, and I don't get in my car without having a book on that I'm learning from. So like actors can do the same, driving to the audition, driving to work, you know, one way is your training time for your 30 minute commute you're listening to Ivana Chubbuck's Power of the Actor or whatever book you, whatever podcast, you know, there's so many resources. Michael Caine has an hour video on hitting your mark. That's an excellent watch. Um, and I know he's old school, but it's still great. There's a master class. I think it's, I think right now it's a free trial. It might be, but if not, I think it might be 90 or hundred for the year. And like Natalie Portman's on there and there's some great actors. On there. So, so many resources that you guys have. Yeah. Angela, this has been so delightful. I could talk to you for another hour, but I want to be respectful of your time. So last question that we ask everybody on the podcast is what is one thing you wish you could go back and tell your younger self? Wow. Oh, geez. That's such a good question. Um, I, I think I, and this, I feel like there's a million thoughts going through my head right now, but I think it would probably just be what I said originally, but took me years to learn, which is not to let it define you. Cause I remember moments of my career being so hard and thinking I was like the worst casting director in the world, or I wasn't cut out for this. And I, I now know, like when something goes wrong, I understand our industry, I understand who I am. And it's just, I think that not letting my career define me. And I think I really had to learn that. So I know I said it earlier, but that was not, it took years for me to believe that for myself. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining our little circus and like just hanging out at like our creative community for a little while. We, we so Absolutely. enjoy listening to your insight. Thank you so much. And also again, thank you for like teaching the little ones and like fostering creativity into little minds. So thank you for that too. Thank you for having me. It was really nice. <laughs>